Hey, good morning. <clears throat> Isn't this great? Aren't you having a good time? I, I just want to say it is such a joy to be here. What can be better than this? In a room filled with people who love one another, we feel the fellowship, we sing God's praises, we see people surrender to Christ. Uh, it's just good. Those of you who are following us uh, from a distance uh, online, <clears throat> You are so welcome. We hope you send some of that wonderful spirit that is here. If you are close enough to be part, you know, we want to invite you. Is it not good, y'all? Are they not welcome? There you go. It will be so wonderful to see you also, whether you have been here many times before and gotten out of habit or, or uh, this is you thinking about what you do. We are so uh, grateful that you worship with us and we'd love to see you in person to be able to, to say welcome and hug your neck. We are in a series on, on prayer. We're coming to the last uh, one today. We've, we've been uh, here for quite a while. Uh, today I want to focus uh, on prayer and worry. Uh, and we'll get to that text in, in just a moment. Then after that, next Sunday, uh, Wayne will preach and then I'll be back and we'll start a new series on, on being invited to God's party. Uh, and, and being filled with the kind of a joy and, and life invigoration that comes with that. But today, um, I want us to focus on Matthew chapter 6. Uh, first uh, book of the New Testament, if you kind of can find your way there, chapter 6. Uh, is also the chapter that, that holds the prayer that Christ taught his followers to pray, what we call uh, the Lord's Prayer. So how do we think about this whole issue of worry? It's nothing new. We know that. People have always worried. Uh, and we see that expressed even in the Lord's Prayer, right? When, when they, they back in the day, they were worried about what to eat. Give us this day, Lord, our daily bread. They're worried about security, how to survive in, in the kind of world, uh, that they were in. They were worried about illness. Is illness gonna, gonna kill us and, and so on and so forth. Lots of worries throughout human history. It's a special kind of a thing in our generation that uh, luxury of sorts, right? That we worry about being worried. That we can get stressed out about being stressed. Uh, that, that we have focused so much on that, we've developed whole educational systems to kind of help us work through that. Books are written on all kind of aspects uh, of worry, uh, you know, uh, companies sent their, their, their leaders to, to, uh, expensive kind of retreats to teach them how to channel that worry into something productive. You can go to resorts and pay good money for someone to teach you how to lay completely still with two black stones on your forehead and cucumbers on your eyelids. Uh, all kinds of things that, that go with that. The real question, of course, is how do we deal with worry? And I didn't mean to be flippant with that because worries can be very real. They don't just have to be uh, about we worry that we get another wrinkle in the face that shows that we were not born yesterday. Uh, but real worries come our 
way. And I want us to talk and read from God's word. What does God have to say that could help us? Jesus has a way of not just treating some symptoms. He grabs a hold of the very root of the problem and redirects us. So that's why we call it here prayer and the refocus or worry or maybe even the word concern would be better here. We're in chapter 6 and we get to verse 25. It's Jesus speaking. Therefore, I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you'll eat or what you'll drink, or about your body, what you'll wear. Isn't life more than food and the body more than clothing? Consider the birds of the sky. They don't sow or reap or gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you worth more than they? Can any of you add one more moment to his lifespan by worrying? And why do you worry about your clothes? Observe how the wildflowers of the field. They don't labor or spin. Yet, I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was adorned like one of these. And if that's how God clothes the grass of the field which is here today and thrown into the furnace tomorrow, won't he do much more? For you, you a little faith. So don't worry saying, what will I eat? What should we drink? Or what will we wear? For the Gentiles eagerly seek these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then all these things will be provided for you. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow. Because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Now, if you notice the whole flow of this chapter, you see how this connects so directly with prayer. Uh, This is a chapter, as I already mentioned, where Jesus teaches us, we who follow him, how to pray. And then as it moves forward, right, you see him moving into a a section on how to fast. And then another section on how to deal and think about our possessions and what they're about. And then comes this text. And so Paul would say it in a slightly different way. He said, now that you become Christians, he says in Romans, he says, you need to learn to think differently. That's what he says when he says, be transformed in your mind. Change the way you think. <clears throat> and so let's, let's look at this text and kind of stay with that for a little bit and kind of walk through some of the power. This indeed is a majestic text. Jesus is grabbing a hold of the very root of worry, not just trying to deal with some symptoms and how do, can we soothe that in a little bit. And in all his simplicity and all his straightforwardness, what he's saying here, if we kind of condense it down to his essence, is that the way to lose a smaller concern or smaller worry is to subordinate it to a greater, a higher, and more ultimate kind of worry. Or concern. 
And so we don't need to misunderstand what he is saying as if he was trying to simply say, you know, don't take life too seriously. He's not trying to say we shouldn't worry about the things that are ours, that we shouldn't be, be concerned. We could just be disinterested in the things of life. Jesus is not some kind of pull yourself out of the world and just focus on your own little sphere and inner well-being type prophet. That's not what it means when he says that, that don't worry about what you will eat and drink and wear. In fact, the, the phraseology that is used here in this text is better translated maybe even by saying, Do not let yourself be distracted by these things that are of lesser importance and and lesser significance. That's that's really what he's talking about. He's speaking against this kind of notion where we get distracted and misplace the concern for our relationship with God with a concern for other things. And we have a way of doing that even nowadays, do we not? The stuff and material things and, and, and what we can attain and get, get, have a way of taking the place of God. So do not let yourself be distracted by what you eat or drink or clothe yourself in. There's a different kinds of worry, a deeper concern, a higher thing that should keep your captive, so to speak. An ultimate worry, if you will. Now notice the way he argues. Jesus gives us an introduction into heavenly logic. And I'm here to tell you, friends, you need to listen up. If you truly capture this, if you get this, it will change your life. Literally will. Not just getting it in your mind but truly understanding what's going on here. What he's doing is he's using a principle that was somewhat well-known about the Jewish rabbis in his time. It's called Cal Wahomer. It's light and heavy. And he's arguing from that which is greater to that which is smaller, from that which is higher to that which is lower, to that which is of higher significance, to that which is of lower significance. Think about it, Jesus is saying. Think about it before the details of your life will steal your view of the great issues, the things that matter. Is life not worth more than the food? Is the body not more than the clothes? Life and body. They're the great things, the higher things, the loftier things, if you will. They're the things that are granted to you by God. They're the things that are given to you that nothing you can do about it, so to speak. From the beginning, that became yours, and you had nothing to do with it. So how is it, Jesus says? How do you think about that related to your food and the clothing? Is that not higher than the food and the clothing? 
The food and the clothing, in fact, belong to a very different kind of level. It is a different sphere than life and body. The food and the clothing belong to that which is lower, lesser, that which has come about because of our diligence and our effort and our work as human beings. Not that it's unimportant, but at a different level than the greatest. I know we think differently nowadays, right? You know, most of you all are not worried about your food, right? Except maybe if you're debating which restaurant you need to go to. Or if you have a big company coming over, you're throwing a banquet and it matters what it is. The same is true with clothing, unless you're invited to a, to a kind of banquet that you're not sure what to wear. Other than that, yeah. Yes? But that does not mean that it's not significant what he says. For what he says is so much deeper than that. The logic in what Jesus is saying stands at the, in the strongest way, almost like a relief for us to say, this stands out clear compared to what is in the background. If we are to have care and worry about anything, let it be focused on something that truly, genuinely matter, the higher, the loftier, the holier, if you will. And let everything else be subordinated under that. It was brought to me with such force. I was a young pastor. Um, recently, at least, yeah, I was a young pastor. Kiddo. Um, and a good friend of mine who had been extraordinarily successful, he, re- he owned, you know, a series of, you know, what we over here would call kind of Best Buy stores. And uh, he calls me up and he says, Previn, I'm going to fly in. I know it's going to be Sunday, but I need prayer right now. I'll fly in early, be at your service, and then I'll take you to lunch. And I need you to spend some time praying for me and over me. I said, what is happening? I said, I'll tell you when he comes. And when he came, he, he said, I got cancer. I don't know if the Lord will let me live, but it is, it is not easy. And, and everything is changing. I need to rethink my whole life. If the Lord lets me live, I need to refocus my life. I have spent my life and my worries and my concern and my all focus on selling batteries over the counter. And I said... You own six, seven huge stores around. It's not batteries. Over. Well, some of the batteries may be advanced, he said, but there's still batteries over the counter. His whole life focus changed. All of a sudden, it needed to be real at a deeper level than just the worries he had about these other things. Listen, friends, when, when life was granted, you, I was too, we were ignorant. We had no idea. Babies don't get stressed by worrying about and speculating how will the next meal be planned. We're just as helpful when God brings us into this world and when he takes us out of this world. And if we believe that great truth, How is it that it's so hard sometimes to rest 
trustingly that he will also take care of the smaller issues of life. Friends, can I say it this way? God's great concern, if you will, God's great gifts proves his concern for the smaller gifts. And if you think of that for a moment and reflect on that, I think many will say, yeah, that is actually my experience. What he is saying here simply Worries come when we forget that big truth. Again, what I said earlier, it may sound simple just to say there's a greater concern under which all the smaller concerns must be, must be subordinated, subsumed. If you learn that lesson truly in the heart, it will change your life completely. Remember the story of when God led his people out of Egypt? You can read about it in, in the Exodus if you don't know. Some of you know the story uh, better from a movie about the Ten Commandments and than you do from Scripture. But be that as it may, the, the point is this, that the people of God saw God do amazing things. Not only did he crush the world empire uh, just with the squeeze of his hand, he opened the waters, he let the people go out after 400 years of captivity, led them into freedom. And no sooner did they come out, after having seen all that, before they began to wonder about the smaller things. As if they had forgotten that the one who could do all the things I just mentioned with a snap of his finger could bring the manna and quail to take care of the smaller needs and issues. We may wonder sometimes, why is that sort of a difficult lesson to learn even today? And I think that has different reasons. One of the reasons may just be we try to modernize Jesus' words. And instead of understanding that he said he will take care of our every need, we are understanding this as if he will take care of our wildest desires that we can ever imagine and think up whatever we have seen someone else have on social media someplace, a vacation, a greater car, a fine house, more fun, whatever it is. Say, why don't I have that? And we worry. Somewhat of a modernized version. And then the other side may be that we sense... Our youngest childhood have grown up with a lie that everything that exists in this world is the result of coincidental evolution that only has one guiding, governing principle, and that is the survival of the fittest. And I know there are people all over the place say, oh, I reject that completely and utterly. And then when you see how they live, it's maybe rejected on the level of how the world came to be, but not on the daily level of how to live. You see, when we see and live with that kind of understanding, life's purpose 
becomes to push for getting ahead of others, the survival of the fittest. In that kind of life understanding, there's no room for trust. There's no room for a God who genuinely cares and who wants to take care of us. Everything is about calculating and figuring out how you can become the strongest and how in the best way we can worry about tomorrow and how to get through that in the strongest way. There's a contrast to this, and it's the strongest of contrast you will ever see. The strongest contrast to this kind of fear-filled theory is the truth from God's word about God himself. That not only has he created this universe and everything that is in it, but he is there lovingly and caringly providing and sustaining the very world that he has created. He who takes care of the great things, friends, will also take care of the smaller things. Seek first the kingdom of God, and the other things will be added. And it is as if Jesus wanted to say, hey, I want to make sure you get it. He may think we're a little bit dense. You know, who knows? We probably are, right? Yes? I'm not the only one, right? Nobody's going to admit that. I, I get that. But he wanted to make sure we understand what he's saying, so he gives an illustration and teaches us, look at what creation can teach you. Take a look at the birds, for example. So we look at the birds. The smallest bird that lives is is a hummingbird. Weighs about a tenth of an ounce or two grams, if you will. And it, it can stand still in the air, move up, move down, move to the sides while it's bashing his wing 20 times a second. Better than any helicopter you ever saw. Or think about the migrating birds. Every summer, going to the same place, every winter going to the same, years after year, decade after decades. Think of the peregrine falcon that can speed through the air 250 miles per hour to get its prey. Think about a swallow that's more nimble than any sports car ever created because it needs to catch insects flying in the air. The lesson is clear when Jesus says, if God in this way cares for small, little, insignificant birds like a hummingbird, how much more will he not take care of you? Are you worried this morning? Listen to these words from Jesus. He's not talking about some kind of blind optimism or some kind of lazy, fair attitude toward life. Thinkful workout, whatever. No, that's not it. What he's saying is that there is a wise, intelligent, 
caring, personal God that you can trustingly place your life in his care. Is that a possible reality? I don't want to be saying words that sounds good on the platform on a Sunday morning in the church. Jesus teaches us how to live. Not just how to come in and sound pious. This is about your real life. Do you dare to trust your future in his hands? You see, if you're one of those who can be inspired by people who actually live the way they speak. Take a look at Jesus. This Jesus, the very one who said these words about do not worry, he had greater reason to worry than anyone else ever. Contrary to us, he knew what tomorrow would bring. He knew that the pain, about the pain that would hit and strike his life in so many ways. And yet, he was confidently placing his life, trustingly, in the hands of God. When it came to the food, he knew it wouldn't be long until he would stand among his disciples and say, this bread that I'm breaking for you now is my body that is being broken for you. He knew that it wouldn't be long until he hung on the cross when it came to drinking. And he would say, I thirst. And someone would put a sponge in some vinegar and place it at his lips. He knew when it came to clothing, it wouldn't be long until they would, you know, throw dices on who would get his cloak and they would dress him in scorn and press a thorn of crowns on his head. When it came to his future, he knew that his future uh, on this earth would that he would be nailed to the cross and had a javelin spear thrust through his side. If there were anyone, friends, that had reason to worry, it was Jesus Christ. But rather than worrying, rather than confusion, he rested trustingly in God's promise and in God's hand. There's so much that can be said about this majestic text. But let me try to just highlight again what Jesus highlighted when he says here in verse 30 of our text, connecting this whole question of worry to the question of faith and prayer. And he's saying, O ye of of little faith. It's the exact same expression he used when when the disciples were uh, in the boat on a stormy sea and Jesus was in the boat and they still wondered if they would go under even with Jesus in the boat. You of little faith, 
Have you not learned that the God who cares for your life in the greatest of moments will also take care of the small things in life? You see, sometimes we may kind of relegate faith to some kind of area where it has to do with us saying yes to specific kind of doctrinal statements or, or faith statements of sorts. But it's not just a question of that. It's not just a question either of just cleansing your teeth. I'll get through it because I have faith. To the contrary, to trust Jesus, to believe in Jesus, if you will, is to trust that the God who takes care of the great things in life is also faithful when you're facing other kind of difficulties and fears and worries. That's exactly what verse 33 is all about. That verse that so many have memorized. Seek first the kingdom of God. And all the other things will be taken care of also. Don't be distracted by things that are lesser concern is what Jesus says. Keep your focus on what the most important thing is all about. I scrambled to see if I could come up with a good illustration of that. I'm leading something I heard someplace and I can't forget it. I can't remember where it was. But it's a fabulous illustration. We've all been in places, big hall room, where we're waiting for someone to come and either speak or, or a fantastic concert or something going on. And we're there early and the noise level is unbeatable, right? Everybody's talking. Someone over here is talking. Someone there is trying to talk higher. And we all talk and we're sharing our stories. We're just jabbing, yes? And loud, loud, loud. And then the person comes forward and someone is tapping at the table as if Something has happened. All the concerns shared, all the opinions expressed, all the discussions going on, subsumed under the anticipation of what is this person going to say or play or whatever the event is all about. We're there to see and to listen to the person on the platform and everything else is subsumed under that do you hear what it is Jesus is saying he's encouraging us you, me to first and foremost more than anything else seek his kingdom trust That he's got the whole world really in his hand, not just a cute song. First and foremost, more than anything else, trust that he who brings you into life and he will take you out of life also will care for you while you're here in life. There's so much that can be said. Notice his concern. Jesus is teaching us, you, and this time, when there's more worry than we've ever seen, 
more mental illness than we've ever seen, more concern for all kinds of things that are very real. These words still stands as God's truthful word to us as we face this season. Yes? Can we stand? I'll say a word of prayer, friends, and and we want to invite you. And if you're listening online and you want to talk to someone, say, hey, I need to figure this stuff out about Jesus. I just want to pray with someone about what's going on in my life. Just call. The church's phone is ready. We'll have people talking to you. If you don't get someone the first time you call, just call back. Those of you who are here, some of you may want to grab a friend and just come on your own and kneel and say, I just need to pray for a moment. I've gotten lost in even what he talked about, his friend that kind of got lost in the batteries, so to speak. Whatever the Lord calls you to do, if you want to come, give your life to him and say, I need to know about who he is. Oh, I want to be part of a wonderful fellowship like this. Father, we ask this moment, speak to us. We have a tendency and we confess from the depths of our heart to to speak words about trusting you and then live lives as if we're going to take care of it ourselves. Help us, Father. We bring worries that we bring them to you and we learn to trust as we come to you as this caring, loving Father that you will give us Exactly the kind of confidence and trust that we need that will drive out fear, drive out worry, and fill us with joy. That we may have joy unspeakable, as your word says. May it happen even now, in this moment. Amen.